Hi everyone! Welcome to episode 2 of Lit Tea. I'm your host, Sabrina Lotfi, and with us today is Lane Clark, author of the YA novel Love Times Infinity and an agent at Art House Literary Agency. And I'm super excited to get started. So let's do this thing. Yeah, you want to just jump in? Yeah. Okay, so what book made you a reader? Um, I think it was probably like Holes in, um, I guess we read it in like fourth or fifth grade, um, or maybe even third grade, honestly. It was just the first time that I had read a book where I like realized that you could like talk about serious issues, but also have a book that's kind of funny. Louis Satcher, I just loved everything that he wrote with that book. I feel like really had an impact. I love Holes. I haven't read it in forever, but I now want to go do a reread. I haven't read it in forever, but I watched the movie, I feel like, every couple weeks. Because I'm just like, I need to watch it again. <laughs> See, I haven't seen the movie in forever either, and now I want to do a movie rewatch. <laughs> it really, like, really does hold up well. Yeah, that's a good one. Is that the same book that made you a writer? No. I don't really know exactly when I became a writer, so to speak. Um, I always kind of like dabbled a little, like I'd write a little scene here and there. I definitely didn't take it really seriously. Um, it wasn't until I read The Poet X by Elizabeth Acevedo where I was kind of like, oh, you know, this character looks like me, sounds like mm-hmm. me. I could I could do this. I mean, not the way she does it because she's amazing, but I was like, I, I could write a, I, I could do this, I think. Something similar, not quite meeting her standard, but I could write a book with someone who looks like me. <laughs> and it's a lovely book. By the way, I have just started Love Times Infinity, and it's awesome. Uh-huh. So if you haven't gotten on it yet, get on it. <laughs> okay. And then again, same question, but is what book made you want to become an agent? I don't know if it was any book in particular. I just remember when I was maybe in like high school um, and I was a huge like Twilight and um, like Vampire Mm -hmm. Academy fan. And at that point, I wasn't even really so interested in writing those kinds of books as more as I was interested in like finding them. For me, I was like, God, it must be so cool to like be the person that kind of like ushered this book into the world, like found it when there's so many books out there being written and so many great authors to like find this just diamond in the rough. And I had kind of always kept that hope. And so by the time I got into publishing as a writer, I was still kind of really holding on to that. Like, yeah, I love writing books, but finding books that like nobody knows about yet or still in their early stages was like still the most exciting part about publishing to me that's true I that was one of my favorite parts about doing pitch wars was getting to read all the submissions and see what they're everybody's subbing and like read everything first I was always so sad during pitch wars I could only pick one person because I'm like there Mm -hmm. are so many books here that I think are amazing and I would love to work on them and I'm only allowed to pick one yes and so I'd get really excited when like someone else like I we had like a little spreadsheet I'd see someone else like picked one that I really loved I'm like oh yay thank you (laughs) yeah no that was the most heartbreaking part is that we could only pick one every time I can pick all of them if I want to (laughs) you can you can do as many as you have time for I love it um okay so do you have any hobbies or interests outside of writing it sounds so cliche but it really is reading I think because reading and writing is so much kind of like my job now Mm -hmm. that people are kind of like oh you know your reading can't be your hobby too but it really is like I still Fine, like whenever I'm like, oh, I want to relax. I want to take some time off. I just pick a book up from a shelf mm-hmm. you see back here and I just read. And I'm like, that to me is like 
relaxing. So even if it's like, oh, you know, I've been reading all day work reading, I still get excited at the end of the day to like read for fun. Mm -hmm. It's probably been my main hobby like my whole life. Um, And then just like puzzles. I'm really big into puzzles. I'm like, oh, a thousand pieces. Perfect. Um, Yes, I love puzzles. When we first went into lockdown on COVID, I swear I did like 500, 1000 piece puzzles, just like one a day. I wish there was like some kind of like a little free library, but for puzzles, because it's like you do it and I'm like, I don't want to do it again. I already did it. I'd love to like switch it out and like we could trade. Oh, we could. (laughs) I'm going to send you a big box of puzzles. We could send it each other a giant box of puzzles each oh my gosh I would love something like that uh, yeah no I'm totally into this oh and the worst part is like when you get to it the end and then like where's the last piece have you ever? oh my gosh it? yeah it's so depressing if you have pets like I have a cat who whenever you're doing a puzzle he like really wants to be involved so he'll like lay on the pieces or like swap the pieces around and I'm like well that's definitely gonna be lost <laughs> thank you my dog over here she puts everything in her mouth so whenever there's a puzzle piece missing I'm like are we gonna have to go to the vet for that um <laughs> <laughs> uh, What's your cat's name? Uh, my cat's name is Pickles. And then Cute. I have a dog named Pax. Oh, I have a Ginny and a Buddy. Okay. So are they both dogs? Uh, no, the cat is Buddy. Okay. Do they get along? Because mine do not. <laughs> they do. So he was an outdoor cat. And he like showed up as a stray. He like would run away if you even blinked at him. He loves her he won't ever say it like he'll he'll bat at her like face but like claws in and stuff but he comes on walks with us that's so cute mine are like don't look at me (laughs) don't look at you at all (laughs) okay so do you want to talk about your hashtags yeah these are so exciting to me the first is black voices matter bbm and then pit black yeah so bbm well, it started on Twitter, really, where so many things start for the writing community now. Mm-hmm. It was in the summer of 2020, right before, I think maybe like a month before the fall Pit Mad. Um, and it was just, I think, such like a tumultuous time like in the world, but also in publishing, I think um, a lot of Black writers were just getting really frustrated because, you know, a lot of agents and people in publishing would say like, oh, you know, we want these stories, but then they wouldn't sign them or wouldn't look for them. And it was just kind of like a lot of lip service. They want them, but where are they on the shelves? Right. I'm like, well, the stories are there. So there's clearly a disconnect between like what you're saying and like what you're actively doing. Um, And so I was just kind of on Twitter. I was like, what if we had, you know, a hashtag that was, you know, Black Authors Matter or something like that um, for these pitch events. And so all these agents who, you know, are saying that they can't find these stories will have this very easy way to find them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Pitch Wars reached out and they were kind of like, hey, like we're actually, you know, we saw your tweet. We're talking about it internally. We're trying to figure out the exact hashtag because you always want one that isn't kind of used by other people already. And so we got to Black Voices Matter and it's, you know, still alive and well, even though Pitch Wars is gone now. But mm-hmm. it's been exciting to see other pitch events kind of adopt it and it become something that people still use. And it always makes me really excited when I see people using them and they get like all of their likes and you know they announce their agent representation later I'm like yes it works which is exactly like that was the goal that was exactly the goal so it was just really exciting and I think it was just one of those moments where 
publishing just kind of rallied together. It's like, yes, we need this. Um, and then Pip Black, um, Maya, who's like, I always call her like the, the, the founder founder was talking about, cause I think over the past couple of years, there's been a lot of um, pitch events that get started for different minority groups, marginalized voices. Um, and she was talking to Twitter. She was like, what if we had one for, you know, black writers? Um, and I messaged her and I was just like, hey, I think that'd be an awesome idea. I totally support it. You know, this is exactly what I wanted from BBM from the start for it to kind of grow into something bigger. And then um, we just kind of paired up. And then we have two other um, founding members, Ashley and Faith. And honestly, I think they like work way, way more than <laughs> I do. Um, but just like getting together a bunch of industry support and like how organized they all are I'm always just like floored but it's really exciting and I, I think people are excited for the event um and to just see kind of what you know this one little tweet grew into has been wild I love it it's amazing I love I love seeing the BBM hashtag out there when I'm looking at pitches and stuff yeah it's always the first hashtag that I like pull up I'm like whatever the kind of event is and then BBM. It's your baby. Yeah, I'm like, I prioritize it anyway. I mean, I take pictures from all authors, but like black writers are really just my heart. And so I mean, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I'm here. I'm uh, looking at all your pitches and I just get really excited. I end up like almost liking all of them because they're all so talented. And I'm like, oh, yes. I shouldn't request like for you books. But here I go. <laughs> hey, hey, you know, you'll get to them. If you're right. excited to read them, that's all that matters. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, and if another agent offers before I do, then that's great too. So that's fine. <laughs> yes, exactly. I love those events. When is um, Pit Black? So so our first one is in September, I believe it's, oh, it's September 21st, because it's like, do you remember okay. the 21st night of September? Um, and it's going to be over two days, kind of how DV Pit does, where it's the Kid Lit Day, just because we know Kid Lit is kind of the bigger day. Mm -hmm. And then we'll have um, an adult and artist day as well. Um, cool. Yeah, it'll be really exciting. And it's um, obviously open to all Black writers, you know, wherever you're from, you know, if you're mixed, or Afro-Latino, Afro-anything, really it's like very open so you don't self-reject at all it's for all diaspora black writers awesome okay this is actually going to air before then so this is perfect this is going to be awesome i hope it blows up i hope it's just as big as db pet yeah that would be awesome we're kind of like if we if even like 15 people participate we're like we feel like that's pretty good for the first one but if more people then it's like amazing because we're like it happened <laughs> yes oh i'm so excited to see how it goes okay do you want to talk about your querying journey, whatever you want to tell us about how long you've been querying, how, how it went getting your first agent. I don't know if you've had more than one or anything. Um, so yeah, whatever you feel like sharing. Yeah, I honestly, I feel like I've never really like shared my query stats and stuff because I honestly just don't think it's very helpful. Mm -hmm. <laughs> querying, even when I did in 2019 and querying now are just totally different beasts. And I know that we always try to give advice, but I don't even know if any advice from 2019 is even still relevant because it is just so different. Timelines are totally different. I remember in 2018, like waiting eight weeks was reasonable. And now it's like, six months it's like, yeah it's reasonable it's just shocking and I, I really feel awful that writers have to deal with it right now I'm always like I don't even know if mine is helpful but so I 
uh, started querying in um, September of 2019. Uh, I actually didn't really know anything about writing Twitter or anything. I kind of just started like peeking in um, after I wrote the first draft of my book. And I saw that there was like a pit mat in September. And I was like, okay, well, this is like a good goal for me to you know get through revisions. Get I did not really know anything about publishing at all. So I was thinking like, oh, first draft, and then I'll do a second draft. And I'll just <laughs> enter pit mad i love it obviously that did not go great (laughs) um i got i think maybe like i think i got like one agent like um which if you get one like i really want to iterate to people like one the pitch events i think is really if you focus more on like building community that's really where you'll find a lot of value in it but also don't be upset if you like don't get you know like 30 likes if you get one like out of it two likes out of it pat yourself on the back congratulations that's amazing work like i i don't even know how many tweets get tweeted during these events but it's like so many like i always try so many. to go through and like look at as many of them as like humanly possible and i still only got through like 2 p.m yeah only a fraction <laughs> yeah so it's like i was just like oh my god I, I like literally can't see them all so you did great if that's you know you get your one like that's still amazing um but i got one and i was like okay well query this one um and i'll like add in a few others and she ultimately rejected the full not surprising now because i'm like yeah i probably wasn't ready (laughs) and so i um and then that pit mad was a little bit before like the full pitch wars deadline so i was like okay well i'll submit it to pitch wars um and i'll just like keep querying as normal and i actually ended up uh signing with my agent the day before Pitch Wars, people were announced. So, Oh my gosh. Granted, I wouldn't have been picked anyway. Like nobody requested my materials at all. I actually ended up revising the whole book between when I submitted for Pitch Wars and when, and the like the draft that my agent ultimately read. Mm -hmm. But so technically I was like, I withdrew before I wasn't picked, but really I was not going to be picked anyway. (laughs) Okay. Well, hey, you know what? You didn't need Pitch Wars. I think like not getting any requests in Pitch Wars is what made me like revise on my own because I was like okay so clearly because I think it was only like you submit like the first like 10 pages or something it's not a lot yeah yeah so it's like clearly the first 10 pages are like not working so that's another like even if you don't get into a mentorship program that you want like you still kind of get feedback and and maybe not getting as far as you'd like and so that's how I took it and I revised and then I ended up um, with my agent who I'm still with um and then we revised for we revised from November to June, so about seven okay. months. I think we did maybe two or three drafts. Oh, okay. That was my first, um, like, revising under, like, someone else's notes. So I was like, what is this? <laughs> he was like, okay, this is great, but, like, we need a plot. <laughs> Love it. Those pesky plots. Yeah, I'm like, why, though? Why can't it just be vibes? Hey, I'm here for the vibes. Yeah, we got it there. Um, and then... Honestly, I think my my agent is very, like, uh, very editorial. So for him, he's, like, he wants things to be, like, perfect when they go out on sub, which makes sense because I think when you do a lot of that work on the front end, when you go on submission, editors don't really have to feel like they have to do a lot of work. So I appreciated yeah. it in hindsight because in the moment I was, like, I do not want to edit this again. <laughs> I can't do it. Uh, it's a lot. We go through so many rounds on those things. Exactly. I was, like, I thought, point i was like 
I don't want, which is so crazy because I, it had only been, I guess, like a year from like first inception to when I was like, I can't do it anymore. And I hear like, you can end up working on a book for so much longer than that. So really, I was probably just being a brat. But <laughs> no, and I'm also pretty fast. So I think even in that year, like that book had probably gone through like eight or nine drafts. And I was just like, yeah, that's a lot. I don't want to read this anymore. Um, but <laughs> for me, it was more, um, I felt like there wasn't really anything else I could do. I was like, okay, I've had your notes. I've had my notes. Between the two of us, I I don't think we can take it further than this. And I think that's kind of a good time when you're like, okay, we're probably ready for submission. And so we went on submission and I was on sub for maybe like two weeks before we started. We started doing editor calls wow. and then we went to auction, I think a week or a week and a half after that. So that's why I'm always saying like, I feel like people ask me a lot about the coring process and I just don't feel like it's helpful because I'm like, honestly, it was very fast and I cannot say enough about how much luck goes into this process. We like to like think it's a meritocracy and that, you know, if your book's good, it'll get snatched up immediately and it sadly just doesn't and there is so much luck about finding like the right reader at the right time and your agent is in the right headspace to read your particular book I mean it's a lot so many levels of that of the right reader at the right time and so I definitely understand the frustration that things are taking a long long time but I also think that you don't want agents having to rush to read your stuff because I know that even Mm -hmm. after I've read maybe like 10 queries in a row I'm just I tend to just be like I'm too tired to really read it and I don't Mm -hmm. give it I feel like as much attention as I could so it's taking longer but I think one of the reasons it's taking longer is because agents want to help you want to find those books and they don't want to go into a book knowing at least for me I'll speak for myself that I don't like going into a book knowing that I'm just like not in the right headspace for it yeah because then you reject a book that had you waited a couple days a week you maybe Mm -hmm. would have loved it like I've had queries that I rejected and then you know I'll be doing a pitch event and I'll see it pop up and we don't really remember like what we've already seen Uh and so I'll like it and then I'll be like oh you just rejected this like a month ago and I'm like oh my gosh okay, we'll resubmit it. And then they do. And I'm like, Oh, I love this. It really is not like if you get rejected in a query, a lot of times it has nothing to do with your talent, your ability, your work. It is just mm-hmm. a combination of a lot of factors. And I don't know if that's like freaking people out more. <laughs> But just feel solace in that we don't like to do it either. I mean, you have to, though. You have so many. You couldn't possibly physically take on all the clients that query you. Yeah, and I went, and there are so many times where I'm like, you get have to be, like, so nitpicky. Because you're like, I I would sign, like, 90% of you. Pro- I feel like I have, like, a really high full request rate. Because I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I need to know more before I just say no to this person who, like, literally is giving me, like, sometimes their life's work. Like, I don't want to just be like... Like, oh, I read 10 pages. No, thank you. Dreams are in your hands. I do yeah, understand. Yeah. So um, it definitely, I think, takes me a long time to get to fulls because I have so many of them. But yeah, I don't know. But we don't like to do it either. I really like the way Art House does it. Art House is the agency I'm at. Yes, tell me about Art House and how they do queries too. Yeah, so it was started by Felice and Latoya, who are our two founders. Um, they've both been in publishing like combined decades. And they're just amazing. I have learned so much from them, even in like the past two months Mm -hmm. but the way we do queries is so we have like a shared inbox a shared query manager so everyone sees every query that comes in to any agent at oh cool 
art house and you can address your query to like the agency generally or you can address it to a particular agent Mm -hmm. and then what happens is so if you address a query to me I kind of get like first dibs on it okay but if for some reason it's not for me then I can just mark it that way but every other agent will look at it as well if I don't like snatch it up immediately so you really get like there are five of us so there are five of us, right? Yeah, there are five of us. So you really get like five shots because every single person sees it. And then once we've all seen it, if we, I think it's like if four of us pass, then uh, the system like will send out um, the decline. Okay. Which one I like because uh, I don't have to do it because I yeah. really hate doing it. Um, I have to do it specifically for our picture books in our middle grade because I'm the only one that represents them and I just it is by far the worst part of the job I just absolutely hate it Mm -hmm. I have a rule where if you send it like during a pitch event and the pitch event's still going if I do ultimately end up passing on it I like wait until the next day because I'm like I don't want to send it like in the middle of while they're pitching like that would just I'm like as a writer that made me kind of sad but I'm just like oh I don't like doing it (laughs) I know so like kudos to all the agents that have to just all like have their own box and reject all of I'm like I can (laughs) I do think a lot of people use Forbes but it is you still have to push the button yourself and like you have to select which form you want to use like I just hate it so much and it's definitely just part of the job but it's like our least favorite so trust me we are not like sitting there cackling like oh we have to it's like hard yeah but yeah, but that is yeah, I think, I what I really love about um, art houses, the way that we handle queries, because then it's like, okay, well, maybe you just picked the wrong person um, to send your query to, but that's okay, because there are other people, and it happens a lot where one of the other agents will pick up something that was addressed to me, but I passed on, or I will pick oh, nice. up something that they passed on. So it really has been a system that works really well. That's cool. I like that. Yeah. And a lot of times it's so hard to do the research and know like, yeah, especially depending on how much people put up on their wish lists about some of them are vaguer than others. Some of them just do like a blanket. I take these genres and it's like, but but what in the genre do you right. want, you know? Um, so yeah, it can be hard to... Right. And especially because I remember going through and they'd be like, okay, you can only submit to one person at a time, but that person could take months. And so you really have to let like, you sit there like stressing over, okay, well, which is the right person? Who's the right one? Yeah, it's like you definitely like still do your research because if you want someone specifically they kind of get like I said first dip so mm-hmm. I think it's a great match for me and it is a great match for me and it's addressed to me then it's like yay it's mine no fighting on the back end yeah but if for <laughs> some reason it's not um you're not like penalized for it, it just will it will make its way to the right person and that's easier on you too because you don't have to like pause and go hey do you want to look at this to every one of your colleagues yeah exactly it's like they will see it um and then if someone is interested in one uh, like they read it before I do but it's addressed to me they'll just like tag it so I'll know like okay yeah you take take it take it (laughs) nice nice I like that are y'all a central office or do y'all work I can't talk do y'all all work remotely (laughs) yeah we're all remote 
our founders are bi-coastal. So Felice is in California and Latoya is in New York. And then the rest of us are all just kind of spread out. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. That's got to be so much easier. Yeah, it really is. (laughs) I mean, I'm a big fan of anything I can do working in my PJs. Yeah, 100%. (laughs) I'm like on calls all the time and I'm like, oh, this is so nice. And just like sitting and saying, I'll pause Real Housewives, do my little call on pause Real Housewives. It's nice. Mm-hmm. Love it. Okay. What to you makes an ideal client? Um, I don't know if there's like an ideal client because they really are just all so different and have so many different needs. But for me, I think, ouch, what's that for? Oh my gosh. <laughs> my cat is like, pet me right now. Um, <laughs> you made me lose my train of thought. <laughs> Oh, that's okay. No, you were actually saying something so valid. And I love that, that there's no ideal client because everyone's so different. And that actually is like the perfect answer for this. Yeah, but I do. I just think I look for clients who one are kind of, so normally when I have a call with a potential client, you know, I talk through my kind of editorial vision for it. And I love um, when they kind of, while I'm talking, like they're kind of brainstorming as we go in, like Mm -hmm. authentically comes like a very collaborative um conversation and then it's like oh, okay like I love when that happens like very organically and I'm like okay yeah I can already see that this um writer would be really fun to work with it would be like really uh, a good team for both of us um so just writers who are one excited I think about the editorial process I think mm-hmm. especially if you've spent a lot of time with a book before you talk to an agent or you get an agent and you can kind of I think be a little bit married to things mm-hmm. um and I definitely like when they're when people have things that they're like, I will not change this because I like to know like, okay, where, where's the real heart of the book that you're kind of like, this has to stay the same. Um, and I think you should have that. You should not like, if someone's like, what are you willing to change? You're like, I'm willing to change anything. That's kind of, it kind of scares me a little bit. Cause I'm like, there mm-hmm. has to be something that you care about in this book enough where you would really push back on um, wanting to change it. I mean, if you change everything, it's not the same books. So. Right. And I know, and I know that a lot of times there are those things that exist and they're kind of scared to say it because you're like oh you know I want them to think that I'm like really easy to work with but just be honest you know it's totally okay to have things that you will not change I think sometimes too especially if a project's fresher is that you don't necessarily know what those things are until someone suggests a revision and you're like yeah oh, you're no. like absolutely not <laughs> there it is that's my no <laughs> yeah um so definitely I think just thinking through like I think if you start with like, okay, why did you write this book? That should always be like the thing that stays mm-hmm. the same. Um, but yeah, the writers who are just excited about the editorial process, excited about at least hearing ideas, even if, um, you know, they might be not, might not be the exact right idea, but are still kind of mm-hmm. open to that process. But yeah, I don't know. I think just writers who love writing and write the things that they want to write. I think there's a lot of pressure, especially now to write kind of like, oh, you know, what trope is popular on TikTok or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really love when it's like, just I can read the book and I 100% like, yeah, this is you. This is you on a page. You just wrote what you love. And it feels really authentic, I think is like the ideal client. I love that so much. Oh, what a perfect answer. Um, So what should authors expect from their agent and... More specifically to you, what should authors expect from you as their agent? Kind of twofold. 
So from your agent, I definitely think you just want someone who is going to listen to you. I think that is one of the biggest things, someone that you just feel supported. Um, The truth of the matter is there are going to be some clients that your agent has who are going to just require more of their time. Mm -hmm. That's just kind of how it shakes out. And it might be you. (laughs) Um, But that um, shouldn't mean if that agent is kind of like not there for you you should still feel supported and like you can go to your agent for anything that you need Mm -hmm. your agent is just really there to kind of be your voice like for me I'm always like my job is to kind of be like your guard dog a little bit like if there is something if there's an issue my job is to raise it on your behalf because and this is something that my agent does and I really love it is that he is very um very focused on me having a very good relationship with my editor so if there's any tension or anything that's going on that might affect that he kind of takes it on his own plate so that at the end of the day me and my editor still have that like very good good camaraderie Mm -hmm. relationship and any of that like things that have to be sorted out or sorted out honestly I don't even know all the things that he has probably had to (laughs) deal with because he just handles them so that me and my editor only really have that relationship and I think that that is exactly how I approach it as well probably because of him where I'm like oh I really appreciate that there's never really any tension because it's handled Mm -hmm. by him and so that's kind of how I see it as well as like my job is to make sure that like your working relationship with your team is always good um and that if there is any tension or there is any unhappiness it's with me and I can handle that with them on your behalf and when they're talking to you it's like all that stuff is you know not a focus um, of you Mm -hmm. guys's relationship um so I think just finding an agent who will advocate for you will listen to you you know no and no problem is too small I mean I know I ask like the tiniest questions <laughs> like can I ask them to send me like I don't know like a graphic <laughs> like just small <laughs> things like and um having someone who's responsive and you know doesn't you know you don't feel like you got ghosted <laughs> by yes. an agent um because I know that can happen sometimes and it's just really sad um but yeah and I think that's what uh, my clients can expect from me I always tell them like I am a very like online person like if you DM me if you email me I will probably answer and honestly an amount of time that's probably uncomfortable because it's like I open it like as soon and I'll answer it and then I'll look and it's literally like they sent it like the same minute that I responded to I it. love it and I'm like I'm so sorry I know that that probably makes you think I was like watching my inbox for you and I really wasn't I just happened to be in there <laughs> oh that's so funny. yeah <laughs> I love that how um how editorial are you with your client um I'm pretty editorial um for me kind of for two reasons so one um I think I am also like my agent in which I want the strongest version possible to go out to editors because I think it gives your book a real fighting chance um Mm -hmm. when they're you know going through acquisitions and they're thinking okay well how much you know editorial work are we gonna have to put in this what are the chances that the edits are so big it like moves around seasons like those are all things that they think about so while Mm -hmm. Obviously, you know, going in that they're going to probably want some changes, you want it to be kind of very manageable for them because editors right now are slammed. Um, And so if you can kind of give them every reason to say yes, it makes your job a lot easier. Um, But two, uh, this is hopefully, you know, if, you know, we successfully sell this book. 
it'll be the last time that you really have to just spend as much time as you want on your writing. Um, you know, mm. you don't have deadlines where you don't have like 20 people in the distribution and production chain waiting for you to finish a copy edit. Like there's just so many more people that become involved. And I like to protect the time when you're not on someone else's schedule as long as possible. So I'm like, you can take however long on these edits you need to take. Like I am not putting you on a deadline unless you want one. Like that's just helpful to you. But otherwise I'm like, uh, here it is. I'll check in on you in three weeks. If you need more time, great. If not, great. Okay. Oh, yay. And so I am pretty editorial because I want it to be in a good place. And I just, you know, I give you the time to do that. Or I'm like, I mean, however long it takes, I'm not in a rush. So if you're not in a rush, then it's fine. And I think that's just a lot of the fun. That's why I really love Pitch Wars too. It's just really picking out those pieces of a story that are already really great and like, okay, well, let's apply that to the rest of the book. Um, it's mm-hmm. just like, it's just such a fun process. So I'm sure some of my clients are like, I don't want to. <laughs> like, I know I have one client who's, she's so lovely and she has a picture book and you think in your head, you're like, okay, picture book, like, It'll be so fast, and I think we're on like our second round of full edits because I'm like, okay, let's just let's just change this little line, especially in picture because I'm really about kind of like the rhythm of how it reads. Mm-hmm. And so I'll like I sent her notes at like four thirty this morning. <laughs> like, I love it. I'm sorry, I can't sleep. I was like, I might as well work on this. But she's lovely, and she just has like such a she has such a sweet picture book. But yeah, I, I'm I'm a heavy with the red pin kind of person. No, that's good. I mean, we we need that sometimes. So yeah, I mean, I feel like as long as I can take what I dish out, then I don't feel super guilty, and I I can handle a pretty strong editorial hand as well. So mm-hmm. it works out. And like, trust me, I I will pay for this in karma. I'm sure. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like you already went through a lot of rounds. So, yeah. I mean, you know what it's like. You've yeah. done this before. Yeah, exactly. But then submission was pretty painless. So, I'm like, you see, it's like you do it all on the back end. And then hopefully, I mean, granted, again, like 2020 and 2022 are just so different when it comes to publishing and timelines. But mm-hmm. um, for me, I'm like, that's my goal. It's like, get it as perfect as possible so we can like have a hopefully painless submission. I mean, if you know there's reasons to say no, you've got to fix that. Right. So, right. What are some common mistakes you see in like queries and sample pages to kind of help people do the edits before they get to you so that you have no reason to say no? Yeah. So, in the query, I think it's just tell us what the book's about. Um, I think some people get so worried that they're gonna spoil it or tell you too much that they end up overcorrecting and then they don't really tell you anything and so it's just like this book is about a 17 year old who lives in Boston and it's so vague after that that you're kind of like I don't (laughs) what happens I don't know what it's about um so I see that a lot uh I actually read 
to curate last. I start with the sample pages. Oh, I was going to ask about that. Cool. Okay, cool. Because for me, even if I really love the concept, I very much um, really care about the writing. I just really want to find talented writers. So I read the first few paragraphs and I'm like, okay, do I like this? And if I like it, then I'll go back to the query and I'll try and see what it's about. And sometimes I don't, I can't figure out what it's about from the query. And a lot of times actually, so a lot of query managers, at least for us, we have like the section like separate from your query where it's just like a pitch which is like two or three sentences about what it's about. And a lot of times that is actually a lot more informative than query is. So sometimes I like don't oh. even read the query, I just read their pitch and it gives you so much more information. So I'm like, just take that pitch and like expand it a little bit in your query letter and then it'll work. It'll be great. Um, I think sometimes people spend a lot of their query letter telling us about themselves, which is great. I love to read the bio section, but mm-hmm. I think you want to balance that again against you know, giving us what book your book is about. Um, sometimes it'll be like one sentence about the book and like three paragraphs about their bio. And I know it can be hard, you know, when you have, you've been writing for a long time and you have like a lot of awards, a lot of accolades, and that's definitely Mm -hmm. something that we want to know, but just don't forget to tell us about the book itself because that's really what we're the most interested in. I know I'm never going to sign someone just because they already have a bunch of awards. It's cool. Like if I'm already into the writing, I'm already into the book. It's like a fun thing to know. And it's definitely something on our call that I'd like want to chat about, but I would never sign just based off of that alone so Mm -hmm. never forget kind of like the work itself um and then for sample pages i think just making sure you're starting in the right place is big um i've seen a lot of prologues lately i know there's a lot of discourse around prologues not prologues i don't actually mind a prologue but for um query purposes i will usually skip it and go to chapter one first um in an actual book or when i read the full manuscript i will start at the prologue but i think a lot of times the prologue is more detrimental to the overall work than chapter one is because chapter one is like okay we really start getting the main character's voice a lot of times the prologue is you know background on the story or a dream it might not even be from the main character so so it's i think really hard um for me at least to really get a sense of the book itself because they can be written almost in totally different styles um so i usually skip it and go to chapter one because i think that's like a better um example of what the overall work is going to be like Mm -hmm. so just think about even if you have a prologue i'm not saying you have to um remove it because like i said i like prologues in books that i read but maybe decide if you want to use like remove it for your query purposes have your first chapter so that we get a good idea of your voice your character's voice Um, Mm -hmm. And the story, um, I think that's a big thing that happens a lot. This just took me down a weird tangent, so you don't (laughs) have to answer this. But when you do enjoy prologues, what do you like to see in there? Yeah, I like, so I will say dream prologues are not my favorite. Okay. Just starting with dreams in general is really tough for a book. I really like prologues that are related to the main character but a little bit removed. So say, um, say, okay, your character is an elemental teenager. Mm -hmm. And the prologue is when, you know, the gods of those elements like fractured or something related where it's like, oh, a little bit of background to um, the world building, I think is really cool. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I like if, um, like, your book has, like, an original text you've created and you create, mm-hmm. you put, like, the excerpt, I guess, as the prologue. Um, I like those. I think a lot of times people make their prologues a little too long. Um, okay. I think your prologue should be much shorter than your typical chapter link because I'm like, okay, I just want to get to the story. <laughs> I just want to get to the book. But yeah, I think when it's kind of related to the world building, I tend to to really like it. And when it's a little shorter, just like, just give me a little splash of what's to come. I, I really like those. Okay, cool. Oh, did you want to add anything else to mistakes you see on sample pages or um, you don't have to? Yeah, I think, I think that's mostly, I also, one thing, I think a lot of people tried to do the like omniscient narrator a little bit where they're like, in this story, like that kind of narration, that personally doesn't work for me. Um, okay. I'm sure there are agents it might work for. I feel like it really just takes me out of the book. And it's not that I don't like broken fourth walls. I like broken fourth walls. I just think I don't want to be reminded that I'm reading a book, I guess, if that makes sense. No, that makes sense. So if it's like this story follows, and I will say, I think in middle grade, there's a little bit more leeway there because the voice can work a little bit better, like a lemony snicket or something Mm -hmm. like that. Um, But I think it's really hard to pull off in YA and adult. So I think that's a common thing. Nope, that all makes sense. When you do request more materials, do you read through the entire manuscript or do you ever stop early? And what are some things that make you stop sometimes? Yeah, so I always, if I'm requesting pages, I will always request the full. For me, it's just a lot easier to be able to read all the way through than I read, you know, 100 pages and then I have to wait to get Mm -hmm. the rest of it. And I'm kind of like in the zone reading it. Um, So I would just request the full. And I know, I think when you request a full and writers kind of get more hopeful. And I definitely think that makes sense. And I do feel bad that I can't always give notes on it just because I did request the full. But the trade-off in that is that it also makes it easier to stop whenever I want. Mm -hmm. Um, So my rule, I have a couple of ways I approach it. One is if I put it down and I'm not necessarily like dying to read it within two days, usually I'm like, okay, that's probably a pass. Because the ones that I have finished all the way through are typically because I've been really excited to get back to them. There's something Mm -hmm. I'm really interested in seeing or really like there's a character that I'm like, I need to know what happens to this person. Mm -hmm. Um, If I don't feel that, then usually it's not that the book's not well written. It's just I am not personally super excited to go back to it. A lot of times I will stop reading if the pacing really slows down. Um, I think especially on in books where there's kind of like a journey or some type of, you know, movement to point A to point B, that journey can sometimes be so protracted. I start to kind of like forget why they're even on the journey. <laughs> oh, okay. Like, and I love those like slice of life moments, but I think after a while I'm kind of like, okay, I just want to get where we're going. Kind of, I think I call it like, the Lord of the Rings effect where so much of it is. I was just right? thinking of Lord of the Rings. I was like, dude, you got to get the bird yeah. to the fire. You, yeah. you got to do it. So much in the movie, they're just climbing the mountain. And I'll be really honest. I fast forward through all of that. I don't, I only watch Legolas's scenes because he's always like fighting and stuff. So I'm like, yeah. I can deal with that. I can't deal with like Frodo climbing up the mountain. So that is where <laughs> I start to just really peter off. And I'm like, okay, 
not that I don't care, but it's not totally holding my attention. Mm-hmm. So I will usually stop reading around then if it's kind of like it's been three or four chapters and we're still kind of just walking. Um, mm-hmm. I'm like, okay. And so those are two. It's like if I'm not excited after two days to read it or pick it up again, or it's just kind of lagged for a while, or usually my biggest reasons to stop reading. I will also stop reading if um, I get to content that is concerning to me. <laughs> so if That's it's, fair. Yeah. So if it's like a character that is a different ethnicity than the author and the depiction is a little bit ignorant, it's probably <laughs> the, it's like not the nicest word, but it probably, it's like the feeling I get where I think it just probably could be handled better. I will usually, if it's a small thing, then I'll just kind of make a note of it. And then Mm -hmm. uh, it's something that I would bring up on our call or something like, hey, this is just something I noticed, you know, and get your, get their, um, kind of their understanding of it. But if it's like a big thing and it's kind of Mm -hmm. like throughout, then um, I'm kind of like, okay, well, this, I, I personally don't want to represent those types of stories. No, that makes sense. That's. No, I will say that that is not a common reason. Um, I think I actually, so far, have had really thoughtful writers, I think, in my query box who um, I haven't really had that issue very often. And okay, if it cool. is an issue, it's usually caught at the query stage. I, I don't usually get, like, through a full and I'm like, whoa, what is going on? Yeah. No, I... I do. I um, There's not a lot of them, but I do remember some questionable subs that we would get in, in Pitch Wars, yeah. too, that I would just be like... And I'm just sometimes kind of like, you You thought I was the right person. <laughs> you thought I was the right person for this. That's yeah. interesting. And then sometimes I think the writing just kind of falls apart, especially, you know, I think... After the samples. Yeah, yes. we're so <laughs> used to those sample pages being perfect because they've just you just work over them to death and then we get to the pages that are typically not the ones submitted for sample pages and then Mm -hmm. you could definitely see the drop off and that could be tough because it's like I love this and I want to work on it but the writing is not quite where I need it to be Um, and a lot of times I will just do a revise and resubmit on those and just like give it send it back to me when you've kind of gone through and I'll usually send them whatever notes I've written Mm -hmm. like hey send it back um maybe after one more revision um because it's like I know you've got it I've seen the sample pages Mm -hmm. I just need you to like show me you can finish carry it through you know I think part of that stems from like I think it's a lot easier to get readers to read your first little chunk and exchange on that just because time-wise we can't yeah I think it's so important to get at least one person you really trust to do line edits on your entire book Mm -hmm. with you and go through and just get in there and be like yo yeah you gotta fix some of this stuff like (laughs) it can be kind of steep sometimes the drop off Mm -hmm. and I'm like no (laughs) yeah like, it makes me so sad because I'm like, oh man. Um, but that's why I do a revised resume because I'm like, I know you've got it. <laughs> I love it. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, are there any other reasons you would do a revise and resubmit? Like if plot falls apart or anything? Or Yeah, a lot of times. Um, so I make notes as I go in like red pen on my little iPad. Mm-hmm. And if I start to get more questions than I have answers for then I get a little wary so sometimes it'll be my rule is always if it needs edits that doesn't really scare me away from a manuscript Mm -hmm. if I know how to fix them but if we get to a point where 
I see a lot of issues and I don't necessarily know how to fix them. I can flag them. Um, and I kind of just have to give it to you to see if you can fix it. Then, um, I will do a revise and resubmit for those. Cause it's, um, I want to make sure that I am able to give the best editorial advice that I can for the projects that, um, I sign and the authors that I sign. Mm -hmm. And there are times, sometimes it's just like a lack of knowledge on my part. So if the character say has a, um, and like a chronic illness or something. Mm -hmm. And it's not one that I'm very familiar with, but I can tell that there's something missing from the text to just really boost like the representation or the storyline that mm -hmm. you're building. Um, I'll just flag it and I'll put that in my notes when I send, send um, back to you like, hey, I'd really love to see, you know, more in this area or something. Gotcha. But I don't want to tell them what, like, I, I don't want to like prescribe what it is because mm -hmm. it, I really honestly don't know. And so I just want, I guess, them to like brainstorm a little bit. But usually it's just that I'm reading and I'm seeing I have like a question or um, I'll think like, well, would they really react that way based like the characterization isn't maybe lining up all the way through. That'll be a lot of times when I'll be like, okay, maybe, you know, let's up the stakes here so that we care about this thing that you want us to care about later on. Yeah, it depends how big the edit is and if I currently have the tools to address it. Gotcha. That'll make sense. That'll make perfect sense. Okay, I want to go back to author questions. This actually, this goes with both. Mm -hmm. So what is the hardest revision you've undertaken as an author? And what's the hardest revision you've made a client do? The hardest revision I've done, I think was there. Were, my first revision was my editor. I had kind of, when I first wrote Love Times Infinity, it, a moment that happens had always happened in a particular spot. That's how it had happened when I first imagined it. Hello, my dog just got home. <laughs> um, and so my editor, um, when we had our call, she was the only one that had a big change to when that moment happens. And I knew that it was coming because we had talked about it already. But I think by the time it came, I was so resistant because mm -hmm. I was like, no, I think it's in the right spot. Like it's kind of like the impetus for a lot of why the rest of the book happens. Uh -huh. So trying to kind of give the book a whole new engine leading up to when that now happened was it was tough <laughs> yeah um, and I was very resistant because I was like that is like the one thing that I was like so certain of when I first wrote it and I thought it was one of those things that I was married to I was like no it has to be where it is but I think that's the joy of at least being open to edits and like thinking through them because then I after I took like a week where I was like no you're wrong <laughs> um I was able to kind of think like okay well maybe if I moved it here I could have this here instead I love the grudging well maybe yeah like, <laughs> maybe you know how to do your job um and my editor is brilliant and I do think it was a good idea and you're happy you're glad yeah. you did it I'm sure you seem really happy so yeah I'm glad I did it and so um I think that that was probably the hardest one because it was just so different from what I had initially imagined. Mm -hmm. The hardest one I've ever, so she's not actually a client. She's my pitch wars, my first pitch wars mentee. Oh, sweet. I had her rewrite her entire book. <laughs> oh 
Um, and in like two months, yeah, right? You know, chores, it's like two months, and it's really even less than that because then it's like, well, now I need time to read it again and do well, the line of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and do you know your, you know, like the pitch, pitch, get query ready, all of it. Yeah, so she really had a month. to rewrite 80,000 words and she probably did actually have to rewrite like 60,000 of those words oh wow it was honestly looking back and like that was so sadistic (laughs) I (laughs) don't know why I I mean I know why I did it because I had faith that she could and I it made the book so much stronger Mm kind of how I said with Asian thing where I'm like I read the sample pages first because I'm really most interested in the talent like she was so talented and you can mm-hmm. tell and it was like this is not exactly the right story yet but I have no doubts that you can get it there because that's how talented like that's how good your writing is and so when I emailed her before we picked anyone I was kind of like I want to be really frank with you right now <laughs> if I pick you you will have to rewrite this book because I I feel like you should be kind of open, especially for pitch words where mm-hmm. it's like you have a very short amount of time to do it. I mean, if you were to do that with your agent, they'd probably give you a year. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're gonna do it in a month, um, and it's the holidays, and we're in the middle of a pandemic. So have fun. It was just a lot, and so I emailed her and I was like, "What I'm gonna ask you to do is gonna be kind of crazy." <laughs> And I just need to know how open you are to that process because it's going to demand a lot. And it's easy to be the one to ask someone to do that. It's much different to be the one who has to do it. And she rose to the occasion. Her book was spectacular. We now have the same agent. But definitely the wildest edit I've ever done. ever asked someone to do the amount of work she did in literally a month was honestly I like think as like inhuman like I she's superhuman I don't know how she did it the amount of times I read that book in like a two-month span of time was a lot yeah (laughs) we just went totally nuts um it was so worth it because that book is just amazing um and I'm so excited for it to be out there one day I think every other round of her edits now with her agent, she's kind of like, you know, this is not bad. <laughs> I have, <laughs> I have done the worst I could possibly do ever, and so I'm like, yeah, it's all downhill from here. Like you can do anything at that point, and so yeah, that's definitely the wildest. I I have one now that I think is going to be a pretty big rewrite, but again, like she does not have to do it in a month. <laughs> like you taking a yeah. Two years, that is totally fine. So in a sense, I don't think it's possible to get a bigger, do a bigger edit than the one I did because uh-uh. it was just, I'm like, I look back now, I'm like, I'm so sorry. I cannot even believe you agreed <laughs> to do that. Um, and then pull it off too. It's all it amazing. Off, it's all and amazing. pull it off amazingly. And it's funny because now she's one of my closest friends and I'm like, I'm shocked you don't hate me. <laughs> Y'all went through it together, though. We went through it together. Um, and I'm just, like, very ex- happy that she trusted me with that process. Well, and you were there with her for it, too. I mean, it sounds like you were there for You said you did multiple reads. I mean, you didn't just, like, here's your edits, and then I'll see you in two months. <laughs> no, I think we did one full round, and then we did a smaller round, and then mm-hmm. we did a line edit round. So we did, like, three rounds in... In two months <laughs> mm-hmm. um and luckily she's wow. kind of like me and neither of us sleep so like we would just be sending emails back and forth at like three o'clock in the morning <laughs> but it was it was a fun experience but I, I i could not ask someone to do that again 
Yeah, yeah, it is a lot. Pitch wars. We do, we do, we ask for the impossible we and really they do. deliver. It's and incredible. They do. Like, that program is just amazing. Because looking back, I'm like, I couldn't have done what she did. Like, I would have been. I couldn't do that. Mm-mm. Sobbing every day. <laughs> I'm so. sure I owe her, like, a therapy bill. <laughs> Few of them. <laughs> oh my gosh. So, okay, let's get into your writing process a little bit. Are you a pantser or a plotter? I am a pantser to my own detriment. (laughs) So do you do a lot in revisions later, I guess? Revisions are a lot. I think that's kind of like the trade-off that you do for being a pantser. But I will say I pantsed Love Times in front of me, and that all the words that were in that original draft, almost all of them are still in existence. So it's not so much like pantsing requires a lot of edits because you have to change a lot. It's more my process of pantsing is really like getting the main like emotional arc down and then Mm -hmm. having to build in as my agent calls it a plot or something. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And that is a process that takes me a little longer because you kind of have to like smush your emotional um, journey into like an engine that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I pants, I can't plot. I've tried. It just kills a book in my brain. It's like once I know exactly everything that happens, it's almost like watching a movie for the first time. And it's like, I can still watch that movie again, but it's never going to have the same oomph that I did mm-hmm. the first time because especially if it's like a horror movie, I think for rom-coms, it's like I could watch it a hundred times. I'll never be sick of it. But horror mm-hmm. is special because it's like, the first time you legit don't know what's going to happen and you never really have that same feeling again. Mm-hmm. And that's how outlines kill my brain. I can't tell myself exactly what happens or I will be so bored that I will not finish writing this. That's cool though. I'm a total plotter. I can't I can't handle all the decisioning involved with yeah. like not knowing anything. I'm just like it like I don't know what to do with too many <laughs> options. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> that's a definitely being a more sane approach. I don't know. There's some there's some really nice freedom and like you really can do whatever you want when you're pantsing. Mm-hmm. Like you can just go for whatever. Yeah. So and then it's like your editor is like, so what's your book about? And you're like, I don't really know yet. <laughs> it's a book. It's it's coming together. We'll see. There are people in it. Yeah. There's words on a page. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, so how how quickly do you pants? It really depends. So okay. it honestly just depends how much stuff is going on in my mm-hmm. life. Love Times and Fending the first draft took a few weeks. Oh, wow. My second book that I wrote, I think it took about like a month and a half. Um, and then the current book I'm pantsing has taken months. So I think it just depends really on how quickly the story kind of forms itself in my head and sometimes that process is really fast and sometimes like now it's really slow um so there's no set time really okay okay no that makes sense yeah how do you stay organized with everything both in your books and with agency stuff um excel is like my or i guess technically like google sheets is okay like my my baby google sheets here with google calendar are like i can't start my day without them i can't end my day without them like they are nice what keeps me together for drafting that's honestly one of the reasons why i do draft so quickly is because in order to stay organized like to remember what i've written i have to write it really quickly oh, okay <laughs> it's kind of like 
oh, I have to remember all these people's names. I need to write it all down as fast <laughs> as possible. Um, cause I oh, know, like, awesome. even when I take a couple weeks off, um, I have to like go back and read it all again. Cause I'm like, I don't even know what this character's name is. And it's the main character. That's funny. So that is one of the reasons why I draft quickly. Cause I'm like, I need to like all this information. I need to get it out before I forget all of it. That makes sense. Do you ever work on more than one project at a time when you're writing? I do, but I try not to. So I, I usually try to make sure that nothing is in the same stage. So if I'm drafting mm. something, then if I'm working on something else, I need to be like revising it instead of drafting it is usually how I try to balance multiple projects. Do you have any tips for battling writer's block? I think read more, watch TV. I think a lot of times... It's just that your well is dry. Like you can't produce creative work if you're kind of like empty creatively. And so sometimes you just need to take a step back. And if you're like the type of person who can't read while you're writing, you know, watch a movie, watch TV. I get, mm -hmm. I think, most of my writing style from television. So whatever it takes, I think writer's block is a lot of just being stuck because you're tired. <laughs> yeah, you're tired. Your creative well is empty, um, especially once you've kind of passed when you're actually in publishing and there's a lot more input to your work than you're, mm -hmm. you're used to. I think it's very easy to get bogged down in what other people expect from you, mm -hmm. what's trending, write what you want. And a lot of times that's, you know, revisit your favorite shows, watch new shows. I think um, especially for writer's block, television, movies, like change the medium, like still consume, but don't necessarily feel like you need to read the newest release or something. Just watch a movie. Mm -hmm. I love I love watching um, movies and TV too. I love getting the dialogue and like mm -hmm. how the different characters talk. It's such a great dialogue yeah, as well. It's, it's I think you can just learn so much as a writer from film and TV. I think we mm -hmm. kind of get bogged down and like, oh, I need to. And you should definitely read if you're a writer, whether that's audiobook, mm -hmm. whatever medium you need. Um, but a lot of times you can get a lot of that through television. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Okay. Let's talk about Love Times Infinity. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Yay. Okay. So what inspired you to write it? Well, actually, first, do you want to tell us about it? Yes. Yeah, so... From you. <laughs> <laughs> so, Love Times Infinity is about 16-year-old Mitchie Cooper, who is worried about getting into her dream college, Brown University, and struggling with the idea if she even deserves to get into her dream college or really accept, be able to accept love from anyone. Really, she has a strange relationship with her mother due to the fact that she is a product of her mother's sexual assault. And so a lot of that bleeds into her own self-worth, her own um, confidence, and whether or not she would have been better off not being born is her struggle. Oh, I think this book is so important and I've been enjoying it so much. Thank you. And I'm really enjoying the chemistry between these two Yay. characters in there. <laughs> yes. Okay. So what inspired you? Yeah. So um, Love Times Infinity, when I started writing it, I didn't even really intend to publish it. It was really kind of a personal writing exercise, just um, sorting through a lot of the feelings that I had about my upbringing. I had a very similar upbringing to Mitchie, the main character, and when I was 25 and writing this, 
or 26, I was just like, you should be over these things by now. Like, why do they still have so much power over you? Um, and just writing out that process, kind of like self-therapy or like journaling. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like I said, like so much of it, the process is luck that I feel like it all just kind of happened at the exact right time and mm-hmm. it's releasing at the exact right time that I feel like um, a lot of these conversations are being had and uh, yeah it's just, it's been a it's been a journey. I'm actually really glad to see your book come out when it did. Oh, thank you. It's like it was funny because you know when you're first in that process everyone's kind of like oh you know are you going to be comfortable talking about these things and I thought I had like a, a healthy amount of distance because I was like oh you know it, it's fiction so you know I have I've kind of like mm-hmm. put in a lot of film padding where I don't really have to talk about it that much and then all of this blew up and I felt like I had to talk about it because I was mm-hmm. like I don't ever want anyone to go into this book thinking that I'm like talking out of the side of my neck kind of like Uh just taking anyone's voice or not telling a story that I'm certainly not an authority on but for me is at least an authentic representation of my own experience I haven't finished yet but I am I'm just it's so so beautifully done thank you how does it feel having your book out in the world it feels I still don't even think I fully have processed it. It's like, I thought I would be super emotional, but I really wasn't. Like, I was kind of, like, excited for it to just be out. There's, like, a very common thing where people are just, like, right after your book comes out, you just, it's called, like, debut depression or something, and you just kind of get sad because you put all of your energy into this one thing, and then it happens, and then it's, like, okay, well, that's done. Um, but I, that hasn't happened yet. At least it's like, I'm very excited. It's like, it's out. I can't control any of it anymore. <laughs> like people are going to mm-hmm. read it and they're going to have their own opinions about it. And I'm just, I've done what I could do. <laughs> you did great. You did great. Thanks. I love it. Did you want to share anything else about, I don't want to give away anything that's too spoilery, obviously. And I don't want to ask anything too pointed because I want people to go read it. Um, I don't think so. I just hope everyone goes into it with an open mind. And um, I think uh, it's always, I think the most rewarding thing about writing is when you have a goal for your work and people who read it immediately kind of pick up on it. So, you know, my goal wasn't to lecture anyone or to come down on anything. Um, Mitchie, you know, she's a teenager and she's still sorting a lot out, just like I was, just like I still am. Mm-hmm. And that people pick that up and they're like, it really is just to provide a perspective. I just, I, I love that because I'm like, you got exactly what I, <laughs> exactly what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So I hope people learn something and uh, maybe, you know, open their hearts a little bit and just um, receive Uh the cheese experience and and how they can be you know supports to people who are especially children who are in similar situations can you give us a hint at what you we're working on now or anything coming up or it's okay if you can't too I know sometimes you have to keep your lips closed but it's still going to be, you know, the emotional punch that I think people got from Love Times of Day or will get okay. if, you, if they read it. But it's focusing a little bit. I really wanted to explore grief in my second book and how especially grief for like the loss of a father. Mm-hmm. And so that will be a big theme in this next book and kind of exploring. Mitchie has an estranged mother who she really doesn't have access to and I wanted to explore kind of a parent who is estranged but you do have access to 
and and that impact on on a teenager. I love that. Um, and can you share with us if it's is it YA as well? Yes, it's YA, uh and I think it's slated right now for probably like 2024 after finish writing it <laughs> hey you got this you've got some time it's super <laughs> late but now that love times affinity is out i feel like i have a lot more time to um focus on focus on book two and my editor and my publisher were just really supportive of me being kind of like i can't promote this and write this at the same time <laughs> like i want to write something to me that was either as good or better than love times infinity so it's like i don't want to rush it mm -hmm. and they were super supportive in that process which is definitely a privilege well and it's also gotta there's gotta be so much going through your head as the book release leads up just and i'm in the nerves and in the feels and everything there's gotta be just so much happening yes exactly and i was like i can't even think about this book like i have this whole other book that has to like be launched <laughs> um and it's i think we just really underestimate how much work it takes to launch a book and I'm grateful that I had a pretty good support from my publisher, but some people have no support. It's amazing. The different levels. Yeah. Yeah. Are there any recently released or upcoming books you'd like to recommend? Oh my gosh. Okay. I have so many. I just finished reading Jackal by Erin Adams. It's mm -hmm. a thriller um, that takes place in a small town in Pennsylvania where um they kind of they have these woods where several black girls have been killed and the main character returns home for a wedding and her goddaughter i call her so to speak that's kind of their relationship goes missing mm -hmm. and it's just it will make you angry it'll make you see it is just so searing and amazing and everyone should read it i think it comes out in october okay that sounds really good and that's an adult thriller and then in ya there's we deserve monuments by jazz hammonds it's a sapphic queer contemporary that is just so beautifully written um it has very spunky grandmother character and it takes place in a small town in north carolina and it has a bit of a mystery in it and it's just so well written so beautiful jazz is amazing um definitely pick that up and that's in november okay and then the two lives of sarah is an adult literary fiction it's the prequel to uh, saving ruby king by oh, yeah, cool. Catherine Adele yes. West. Um, it follows Sarah King, who is Lebanon King's mother. Lebanon King was Ruby's father in mm -hmm. Saving Ruby King. Um, and it just takes you back to Memphis in um, like the mid 1900s. And it's just so good. It made me cry. Awesome. So, yeah, those three I highly recommend. Oh my gosh, these sound amazing. Um, and then do you want to tell everyone where we can find you both as an agent and an author? Yeah, so I'm very online. So <laughs> I'm on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok under at Lane Writes Words. I am always on Twitter, literally always. So you will probably catch me on there <laughs> any time of day. Um, and then, yeah, that's probably, that's probably like the best way to catch me. And then what about your website? So my website is laneclarkwrites.com. 
you can send me a message on my contact form, which is currently down for reasons, mm -hmm. but it will be back up eventually. Um, okay. And then you can send me nice messages. You can also go there and, you know, click that buy link. Yeah, the book is on there with like tons. I mean, a link to like pretty much everywhere. And then you can sign up for my newsletter, which I don't send often, but when I do, it's very exciting. And then Art House, I'm on there, but I'm not like on on there uh, super often but you can read my manuscript wish list and the other agents manuscript wish list and submit your queries to us we have a pretty diverse reading taste so mm -hmm. there is probably an agent there who would be very excited to see your queries so yeah yay oh my gosh Okay, no, this was so good. Did you have anything else you wanted to add to anybody or? I don't think so. This was fun. <laughs> I know. I loved it. I had such a great time chatting with you. Thank you for having me. This was so awesome. Thank you so much for sharing your time with me and all of your knowledge. Okay, everyone. That's it for episode two of Lit Tea. A media list from this episode and all the lane links can be found in the show notes on my website. Thanks so much for joining us. Okay, Jenny, say goodbye. Whoop.